Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. What are you passionate about? Today, we have an immigrant, scientist, mother of three, and an athlete that is doing so many admirable things to empower people to seek fitness and helping to find a voice for a better world through running. Her story is very topical to what's going on right now around the world regarding healthcare access and the issues she's had to deal with in her running career and how she inspires people to live without regrets. We're going to call this one hashtag running for a cause, hashtag listen to your body. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. Sure. Uh, this is Maria Elena Mata, although everybody calls me Maddie. And currently I'm affiliated with the Run for All Women group. Um, that is the national group and with the Cheetah Charity Run Club here in San Diego. Oh, fantastic. That is a lot of groups. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. How was your week? Oh, it's been so far so good. So far so good. Mm -hmm. We had a great weekend and uh, a romantic getaway and the week is moving slowly, but uh, certainly closer to Friday. Ah, a romantic getaway. Uh, Where was that? Uh, Laguna Beach. It's, um, we, we moved to California a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and so we're in exploration mode and uh, it's it's about an hour from here. So it was pretty nice. Well, California has plenty of romantic places to get away. So you're in San Diego? Yeah. Is, that, <laughs> is that where you are now? I am in San Diego. I moved here two years ago from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Go Philly! Yeah. <laughs> what made you move then? Um... I love Philadelphia with all my heart. I do not love winters. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, we did like your your standard California vacation that everybody does. You know, start on one end, drive to the other, and halfway through, my husband saw how happy I was hanging out here, visiting family. And he asked me, he's like, would you move to California? I was like, "Uh, yes. (laughs) And um, the rest is history. It it happened very quickly and uh, it all worked out great. But uh, um, it's been been a great experience so far. Though I miss Philly, I will say. Not the winters, but I miss Philly. Well, well, I can fill you in on anything you're missing on the East Coast winters. It's about 30 degrees today. So I I know you feel terrible about missing that cold weather. Oh, no, not at all. I'm not even going to pretend that I miss it. <laughs> so then how how's uh, running out in uh, San Diego? Are, are you training for anything right now? Well, right now, I'm not training. Uh, I'm just recovering from an injury that I sustained in November. Um, I, I was doing a, a half marathon. I was doing a half marathon in, um, in Palm Desert. And unfortunately, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that my foot had been bothering me for a while. And uh, halfway through the race, my foot turned into a stone. My hip decided that it was done with it. So I did finish it, but um, but I'm, I've just been recovering since then, taking it easy, focusing on walking, strength training, hiking, no running. So I have started to run and uh, a little bit, um, you know, staying on the Three three to four mile, you know, 
distance, right. but uh, mm-hmm. but nothing more than that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. We we have a we have a a bad habit of not listening to our bodies and just keep pushing and pushing until finally something breaks. And that's our body revolting against us saying, I warned you, but us runners have a, have a difficult time listening sometimes, but it's great that, you know, oh, you, yeah. never. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's good that you're, you're taking some downtime. How, how long have you been running? I've been running about 16 years. I, this round, you know, I, I had done, I've never been the athletic type. And so, but at some point or another, I would do a little bit of running for a few months and I never stuck with it. And then in 2003, I, uh, I had two miscarriages um, and I decided that it was time to take care of my body and get fit again and do exercise and lose some weight and all those good things to um, make my body ready for a new pregnancy. And that's when I started running and that time it it stuck um, and I got hooked and here I am. 15 years, 16 years later. Oh, that, that's fantastic to hear. And do you have uh, children now? I have three kids. Congratulations. Um, Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yes. How old? (laughs) I have a daughter who's 19 and I have two sons who are 15 and 13. And I have, I should mention my, my borrowed daughter, my, my goddaughter, who I'm sure will listen to this podcast. So I'll have to make sure I mention her. Um, but yeah, three, three of my own, so to speak. Well, you can give them all a shout out. And they're all teenagers. So you must have your hands full. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are they in the rebellious teenage years or have they moved on or they're just getting into that part? You know, I, I never, no, never is not the word to use. My, my daughter, they haven't hit a rebellious phase. My daughter, who's 19, went through the rough years. Um, and I think not, not really rebellious, but just the rough years, I will say. <laughs> and, uh, and instead of uh, on the other end, you know, she's, she's a knowledge that perhaps I do know a thing or two um, after all. And, uh, and, the, and the boys, they're, they're, you know, my, my middle son, he's a pretty chill kid. Um, he's not, not much of an addict. And my 13-year-old a little more of a uh, reserved um, child who is not to be bothered with mom, mom things. It's like, yeah, whatever, mom. So, not, not truly rebellious. <laughs> that, that's just normal teenager behavior, whatever, mom. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. I roll here and there. No. Well, what were you like when you were a teenager or like in high school? Were, were you running then? Were you active at all? Or, and you know, where were you living at that time? Nothing. I was a complete couch potato. Um, I remember being in high school and having some health issues. And the first thing I asked the doctor was for a note so I wouldn't have to do phys ed in school. Um, and so it, it wasn't really until I started college that I, I realized that perhaps I needed to exercise more for the health benefits than anything else. And so I did lots of aerobics in, in college and you know, step classes and things of that nature. Um and uh, so, not, not, like I said, not a runner. Um, I, I did play lacrosse in college as well at a club level. Um, so, the, so you did have some athletic skills going on. That lacrosse is well, an intense uh, let sport. Me, let me qualify that uh, my nickname was Speedy Gonzalez because I was the slowest one in the team. Um, 
I think they just kept me there because I was too stubborn to give up and I just kept showing up. So they were like, fine, we'll let you play. Uh, and it was a club. So it was, it was a lot more for fun than anything else. Oh, that's great. So, so, you know, where were you, where were you living at the time? Were, were you in Philly? No, I was, uh, I did my, so I'm originally from Venezuela. Oh, um, very nice. And then I, um, I came to the States to do my undergrad in North Carolina, in Greensboro, University of North Carolina, Greensboro. And, um, and then after college, that's when I moved to Philadelphia to do graduate school and met my husband and state. That's wonderful. What was the biggest culture shock for you, like moving from Venezuela to then North Carolina? Oh, there's so many. Um, it, yeah, it, it just, uh, I couldn't even begin to, to, to make a list of things that were different, the, the food, the, the language. I mean, obviously I had to learn the language. Mm-hmm. Um, the sense of independence that uh, that people had compared to to the very family oriented culture in Venezuela, where you stay with your parents, um, just uh, everything was just very very different. Um, you know, North Carolina Carolinians are not known for being loud and expressive like um, some of us might be. <laughs> so I had to learn to tone it down a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's just a lot of different things that, that were different. So, What were you studying there? I studied biology. Um, I did my, my bachelor's of science, or arts, actually. There was no bachelor's of science. and bachelor of arts in, in biology. I wanted to be a scientist, so I, I continued my studies in, uh, I did a PhD in immunology at Penn. Wow. Oh, that that's mm-hmm. wonderful. So immigrant scientist, mother of three, and an athlete. I think that's quite a yeah, lot. I can call myself that. <laughs> I think I think there's a, quite a lot of accomplishments right there that you should be proud of. I try to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there is and, and there's more. I mean, after after all of those, I uh, more recently became an activist. I decided that uh I have a voice and um I come from certain levels of privilege and I should use my voice to help others. So let's add that to my list. Well, what are some of the causes? So, um, you know, my, my research is focused on cancer and I focus a lot on, on health and access to healthcare, um, particularly cancer, obviously, because that's not a passion of mine and you know, among children, um, but also access to healthcare, you know, in women's health. Um, and I'm a supporter of Planned Parenthood, and I, we can talk a little bit of how I got involved with that. Um, and it, one of the causes that is very near and dear to me here in San Diego is the, the Millionaires Foundation, and they raise funds to support children of low income to receive the necessary support for cancer uh, treatments. Uh, you know, we, we think about cancer treatment and we think, oh, is there a treatment? But sometimes the biggest obstacle for um, for certain people, it's not even whether there is a treatment or whether they can get to it. Uh, low income families may not have the time or, or or a car to get to treatment. You know, every three weeks, so they don't have um, they don't know the system to do all the paperwork. So there's a lot that goes into cancer treatment, and and this organization focuses on providing that for children of low income families. So that that has been a, a, something that became very special and helped me not only assimilate to San Diego, but also align with my, my activist 
priorities the things that I really care about. That, that is such a wonderful, noble cause. And it's so important. What you were saying there is not just the treatment, it's getting access. It's education and access are the mm-hmm. two main things that it's if they if there if there's treatments, but they can't get to it, there's no use of it. So that, I think exactly. that that's absolutely wonderful uh, what, what you're doing there. So I, I know you're also like and with part of the activism and like for wonderful causes, you're with two running clubs, like a run for all women and Cheetah Charity Racing Club. Tell us how, you know, how your involvement with uh, these organizations, with these run clubs, and I know they're supporting a lot of great causes. Yeah, so so the Run for All Women um, is what started it all, so to speak. Um, the Run for All Women was started by Alison Desir in New York City. Um, she's also the founder of Harlem Run. And after 2016, um, which, of course, some of us will uh, remain in uh, a bad year, so to speak. Uh, she, I had reached out to some friends of mine to see what we could do um, to become involved with some of the concerns that we had around the potential changes that could come with the new president. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, we in January of 2017, as we were gathering ideas, we heard of this group of women, these four women that were running from New York City to Washington, D.C., to um, to the Women's March. And in the process, they were raising uh, funds for uh, Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, my God, this is perfect. This aligns with everything we care about. Uh, they're going to actually run through our neighborhood. And they're asking people to join them. And so a whole bunch of my friends and I, about 14 of us, uh, got dressed. It was like they were running through our neighborhood around 11 o'clock at night. We stood in the streets in uh, West Philadelphia, which uh, for those of listeners that might be familiar, um, West Philadelphia is a great place. Um, it's the best of Philly as far as I'm concerned. But some has some, some pockets that might look a little intimidating at times. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> We were standing there waiting for this group of women, um, and we ran four miles with them. Some of our friends ran a little bit longer. Some some, some of us um, who were dealing with some health issues ran only the four miles. And, and after that, those four miles, it was like the first time I really felt hope after the election result. And, um, and a few months later, uh, they made a call for ambassadors, and I submitted my... Uh, my application, and it, it was it, you know, the, the theme of my application was that those four miles were the first time that I saw running as a platform, you know, for others. Uh, up to that point, I had run for me, you know, with my, my new time, you know, as a mother of three, a working mom, I need a, a break and I need to get away from it all. And running had been that for me, and that night. I decided that I was no longer going to run for me, but I was going to run for others and use my running as a way to help. It's almost like it comes full circle in that sense where you have these causes that you're passionate about. And many times that people, you know, running is a community, you know, is a community. Uh, there's a lot of great organizations and run clubs. And then when you find that you can be part of a community that also can affect positive change in a way that must just have such a wonderful feeling that encapsulates your lifestyle. Exactly. Uh, and that was exactly what happened to me with Run for All Women. All of a sudden it was like a world of possibilities of 
to get motivated to do something for me, but also for others to um, empower others to to seek fitness and to seek a voice. Um, just the way that running helped me feel empowered because uh, when I started running, I, I realized that I was capable of so much more. You know, I think every runner or many runners relate to the idea that they finish their first half marathon and they're like, oh my God, if I can do this, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden I felt I, I could have that voice to show others to fight for a better world through running, um, whether it was fundraising or speaking up or um, just educating others, etc. And I remember that run to uh, from New York to DC. Uh, you just let me know that it was actually organized by Run for All Women. I didn't know that at the time. And I was doing a night run. I think it was uh, with the bridge runners. And there was one of the women that was running with us. She just did that run. And I remember the support. Everybody was so excited and supportive of what she was doing. You know, the, the mission and the the message that she was trying to be part of. And it's, it's spilled over into the other running communities and clubs. And that it was just fantastic to see that kind of support. So I didn't even realize that was a run for all women. I uh, just remember that we were all very supportive of it. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that run was, was sort of the beginning. Allison, who's the founder, just had a, a crazy idea over, you know, New Year's resolution. But what can I do? It's like, well, I'm going to run uh, to D.C. and I'm going to gra- grab some friends to do this and I'm going to raise some funds. And it took off like wildfire. I mean, they raised, by the time they left New York, they had already raised, by the time they got to D.C., they had raised about $100,000. Um, which is totally way more than she thought that she was going to do. So it was pretty amazing how it just took off. Um, and so after that, they were like, well, what else can we do with this? And they started Run for All Women, and uh, I've been a member ever since. So um, it's been a great experience for me. Um, you know, some years I'm, I'm much more active. Some years, uh, you know, when I moved, it was, things were slow down a bit for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's been a, a great experience. It's been a, a great a learning experience in so many ways to understand issues uh, that affect other people, uh, to, to see different perspectives, um, just to have a voice and, and, and help others. That's fantastic. And Run for All Women has chapters around the country, don't they? Well, so the way they started is um, they have representatives in several states. Um, and so it's not really chapters as it is. There is a number of us ambassadors spread out throughout the country. Um, and so we are all tasked with uh, the idea of putting events together locally. Uh, one of their tenets is to act locally and, and drive the conversation at a local level. Um, so, so that's the way, um, so it's not chapters per se, but representatives. But people, if you know, they're going to San Diego or they're going to Philly or, uh, going to New York and you want to run with, you know, run for all women, uh, you can find out information on the website, correct? Um, well, so we try, the locals try to put events together, um, associated with certain, you know, milestones or, or big events. So. So let's get into running story time. I always okay. like to ask our, our guests, uh, what would your best race? My best race. Well, it depends on how you define your best race, right? Um, and I think that as runners, we tend to think of your best race as your fastest race. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the best race is the one that um, will you truly accomplish something that you didn't think was possible. 
that's that's the, that's what I set the bar at. Is what did you feel most accomplished? It's not necessarily the fastest, but the most accomplished. Whether it could be being the fastest or a PR or just distance, or you just had the most fun during the race. Like you learned something that took you to the next level. So yes, I, I would say um, my favorite race of all time. Um, you know, I like to describe it as the three weeks. Two races, one surgery in between. Um, wow. And uh, it was uh, 2014, and I was I was have been having some issues, some health issues, some fatigue, some weight gain, etc. And I didn't know what was going on, and so I had signed up for a half marathon in November with my my running partner uh, and best friend Carrie. And uh, soon after. Uh, I found out that was the, the second half marathon. And soon after, it turns out that um, my daughter, who was 13 at the time, um, was going to run her first half marathon with an organization called Students Run Philly Style. Oh. A fabulous uh, nonprofit that focuses on getting kids to, to train and raise and, and set goals and, and, and establish uh, mentoring relationships with the club leaders. And... Uh, it was the Philadelphia Half Marathon, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta run with her. Uh, you know, I have not, and I should say, I don't run with her. She's way faster than me, but I want to. <laughs> I like to run on the same time as her. We start together, and then she takes off. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I signed up for that, for that, and I, I was, I, I had been working on, on breaking two thirty on the half marathon distance for a while, and I thought, well, that could be the one. I'm gonna train to that. I'll use the the Princeton one as a training half, and then the the um the Philly one as as my the PR race and uh, everything was going well according to plan so that um then I had this big lump in my throat I had to go to the doctor they realized I had a, a very large nodule in my thyroid and I needed it needed to be removed wow. so I show up to the surgeon and uh, she's telling me we need to remove it in November. And I'm like, well, there's a minor little problem. You know, I have these two races. Uh, yeah, you, um, you can't I, interfere with a runner's race schedule. Don't doctors realize no, this? Yeah. No, no, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm willing to give up one, but not both. Mm. And so she's like, well, um, let's think about it. Uh, maybe we could, you could still do both. And I'm like, oh, well, that sounds oh. good. Um and so she, we scheduled it exactly in the middle. So I think uh, you know there were there were two Sunday, three Sundays apart, and the 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 race, the the surgery ended up being November fourteenth. So you know I think the Princeton was like November fourth, and you know Philly was November twenty third or something like that, twenty fifth. And uh, so I I had my surgery, and uh, she was like just play it by ear. So I had the first race. I ran it with my partner. Uh, it turns out she ended up getting injured. It, it was an IT band. We didn't know at the time. So by mile eight, we were walking a fair amount. Um, so, you know, there was no PR on that race. Yeah, IT um, band <laughs> is no joke. Yeah, we, you know, I, I, bless her soul, I she shouldn't stop. Um, but she just kept going because, you know, we don't always listen to our bodies. <laughs> I think that's the theme and, uh, of, the, of this uh, conversation. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and um, well, no, that we can sometimes listen to a body. Just wait till I to finish my story. And so I had my surgery. Um, you know, everything went well. I uh, the, she, the, the surgeon was like, 
give yourself a week and then you can try to go for a run and see how you feel. Um, I, I, I actually was feeling fine, but I wasn't, I was a little scared and schedules weren't helping, but I was like, I think I, I did like a two or three mile run about a week later. Um, and so up to the night before the race, uh, in hand and everything, I, I hadn't decided. And I said, well, I can always stop if it doesn't sound, if I don't feel good, but if I feel good tomorrow and I didn't run, I will always regret it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my daughter to ever see me live life with regret. And that was something that was very important to me because, um, you know, as a mom, you want to be a good role model, uh, especially for a little girl, a young woman. Uh, and I just wanted her to see what I do. Yeah. And it know? seems she's already following in your footsteps. Literally. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> but she's, she's much faster, like I said, so it's more like I follow her. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I, I told my husband uh, that I was going to run. Uh, I was going to meet him at mile seven. And at that point, I would decide if I was going to keep running or if I was just going to call it a day. And I could always walk. Um, I mean, I was in Philly and I the, road, the race was in Philly. So I could, if everything failed, I could always walk home. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I was running. I started slow, no, no rush. Uh, I was feeling pretty good. I remember around mile six something, um, I saw my daughter's teacher from school who was cheering. He's actually a runner too, Mr. Hunt. Um, but he was just cheering that day. And I asked him, I said, have you seen Krista? And he's like, she looks awesome. Keep going. And then at mile seven, I met my husband and, and uh, our friends. And um, I, my first question again, how is Krista? He's like, he's fine. she's fine. She looks amazing. How are you doing? And I'm like, I feel good. I'm going to keep running. And he was, my husband is a little bit of a warrior. And so he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I feel fine. Don't worry. Um, and I keep running. And, uh, you know, the last three miles, like in every half marathon, were not the, the best. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I was fine. I didn't feel, you know, it wasn't like I was in pain or anything. Um, and so I finished my race and I, my favorite picture of, of the two of us, my daughter and I standing, um, she had been finished like half an hour before me, if not more. Um, I still literally had stitches on my neck and I, you can see the picture. I have like the scary, uh strip in my neck. Uh, but it, to me, that's the most amazing race because I got to see her. I got to show her. Um, that you don't, you know, you don't give up. And I did listen to my body and my body said, yeah, you can do this today. And so, um, I did it. It's great life lessons all around. I mean, being able to inspire someone to support someone, being able to push through what you've just gone through and, you know, running with stitches, that can't be comfortable because they could also pop out. I mean, was that a concern? Uh, you know, at that point, I, I don't think I was even concerned about anything. I was just running. I was happy that I was running. I was, you know, ecstatic that my daughter was somewhere in there doing something so cool. Philadelphia is a great running city and like the vibe of everybody cheering you. Just you forget about it. Um, you know, there were a couple of times when he, I felt like a little bit of a pull, not so much at a stitch. It, yeah, it felt like a, a stitch was pulling, like grab, grab, grabbing my skin, but I wasn't even worried. I, I really was just thrilled to be out there doing something I truly love. That's such a great, wonderful story. And it's, and that's, it's family, it's, it's overcoming challenges. It's, it's like being able to 
get through a possible setback and being able to listen to your body at that point? Because most doctors, many times they're going to say, you know, take time off. But if your doctor gave you the okay, but at that point, you're now listening to your body saying like, I can do this. Let's make this happen. And with a wonderful result. So, I, you know, congratulations. That is fantastic. And, and your daughter must have been so proud of you as well. I, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she might have not have said it. You know, she is a teenager. So <laughs> so we, we also like to talk about part of it is also things that we've learned from races. So while you have like, you know, one of your best races, what would you consider that maybe was your worst race? And why would that be? Um, I, I would have to say my, my worst race uh, was two years ago. Um, actually, technically a year. It was November of 2018. Uh, perhaps a case of not listening to your body, um, but it's actually more not listening to your entire life thing. Um, so we moved to California at the beginning of 2018. And um, as I mentioned, I had a number of health issues. I, I have uh, thyroid problems. I, I had been, right before we moved here, I was diagnosed with celiac. Um, and I, you know, we moved and I was in the process of finding all my doctors and on all the different, uh, my, my healthcare team, so to speak. And in addition to the stress of moving, I moved by myself first and my husband stayed behind with the kids. So I was flying back and forth with Jim to San Diego and Philadelphia every couple of weeks. Not fun. Um, flying cross country, different. flying back and forth cross country is definitely not the healthiest thing to do. No, and, and you're planning a move, mm -hmm. and you know stress is high, and there were some other family issues that were going on at the time that um, just were piling up, and uh, and I wasn't really paying attention to my body in the way or, or my my well being in the way that I should have. So, um, just about a month before the actual race. Um, I was, you know, we discovered, maybe not even that, a couple of weeks, we discovered that I had a severe iron deficiency, um, which could explain why every time I ran, every, the longer I ran, the more tired I felt. And, and instead of building up the miles, I felt like I was, you know, losing training as my my distance went up. And so I, I ran this half marathon and it was a great, it was, it was great fun in that I was with my new friend, the, the Cheetah Charity Run Club. Um, but I, I left everything on on that course, everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've ever felt so um, disappointed on, on myself. Um, you know, and I was disappointed in, in in my body, not being, you know, I finished again, uh, but just knowing that I, that I, that wasn't me, you know, the, what, what was wrong, it wasn't me, it wasn't my strength, it wasn't my health, it wasn't, I hadn't paid attention to myself and my well-being and I had pushed myself way harder. And even though my body itself, the mechanics were fine, um, I, I left and it was like, I can't, I, I need to re reevaluate my relationship with running, um, which I tried to do last year. So, And again, going back to, I think our theme is about listening to your body and just not overdoing it. So besides like the race that you had, there's also other achievements that you have had. You mentioned organizing a relay run from Philly to Harrisburg over 115 miles. Can you talk a little about that story behind why you did that and the type of work that goes into putting together a 115 mile 
relay race. Yeah. So um, that was part of Wrong for All Women on that first year. Um, they wanted, they were gonna, the group wanted to do something big in the summer. And, uh, and so there were two of us, there were two ambassadors, or there were several ambassadors in New Jersey, um, in, in Boston, you know, New Orleans, even San Diego and Philly. And so we put together five events uh, that were happening on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the two, the, the Jersey, Philly were sort of combined. We started in New Jersey. They uh, used the same route that the original run took. And then they met us in Philly in the city hall. And from there, our group took to, to Harrisburg. And, and the idea of running from Philly to Harrisburg actually came the night of the original run when all of us, my, my friends and I were waiting to run with this four women who were running from New York City. And a friend of mine joked, I said, well, next we're going to go to Harrisburg and we're going to um, we're gonna knock on their door. And so that stuck with me that that's what we needed to do. And so when it was time to put together an event, it was like, well, we're going to run to Harrisburg, guys. Um, and so we, you know, the, the group of friends I had and, and the other co-leader, um, Kelly Volpt, who is fabulous and, and you know, my soul sister, um, put this event together. It, it took a lot of work, took uh, months of planning. Uh, you know, to this day, I'm mind-boggled that the, the original group planned it all in like a couple of weeks because it took forever for us. We, I actually had a, I drove all the way to Harrisburg so I could check the entire course by car. Um, we printed every little piece. We, we, we got food. We, we asked for donations. And so we ended up raising uh, $12,000 for Planned Parenthood um, in addition to you know, what everybody else did. So, um, and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun, I have to say. It was an amazingly, uh, amazing experience. I slept all all of three hours in, in a span of um, 36 hours. Uh, my goal for that event had been to run uh, 26 miles total, which I didn't do. I ended up running only 23 miles. Um, but it was a very powerful experience. Um, it was it turned out that it happened to be the same week as Charles, the same weekend as Charlottesville. So in the middle of this, you know, we're running through, you know, the countryside of Pennsylvania. We're hearing the news and, um, we're, we're, we're going in two vans, um, because we have like about 20 of us. Um, People are just getting out of the van, running their their four to eight or whatever distance they were running. And the rest of us are in the van. Um, And so, People in the other van found some cardboard and a marker and made this huge sign. And uh, we actually took a picture that is probably one of the most powerful pictures I've I have on myself. There's all of us, uh, you know, all the pictures are were like just smiling and everything. And this one we're like dead serious. It's in black and white. Um, and our group had women of every um, background. Uh, including of uh, some black women, and we're all standing there like uh, we we fight against oppression or something like that. But it was just like a really very strong message. Uh, the picture was just powerful. Um, but it was crazy. I mean, it was like 
it was just such an amazing experience to to spend the time with these women. Um, you know, there there's some very special memories. There was there is a woman, uh, Jean Altimori, who is uh, is in a wheelchair and she's a runner um, in Philly. And I had seen her and I had read some article about her doing the, the South Africa ultra marathon, which is like in in the wheelchair, which is uh, you know it was like the first one who had done it. And I was like, oh my god! And I had like a big crush on her and. Um, she shows up to run the first four miles and I'm like, Oh my God, she's here. This is so exciting. And we finished the first four miles and we, we, we get to the next four and she's still there. And, and so I kind of took somebody said, so how long is she going to run with us? And, and so they said, well, she wants to do the whole thing with us. And I was like, Lord, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like my hero. Yes. And mm-hmm. she wants to do this. And I have a great picture of us all at the end. And, uh, you know, I, we were running up the stairs of the Harrisburg Capitol. And I, you know, very, uh, you know, for like, the last stop before that, I tell everybody, everybody's going up the stairs. Uh, you know, we had some support crew, um, we had the runners, and for everyone, I want everyone to run up the steps. And I looked at her and I said, if we have to pick you up and bring you up the steps, we will. And so we get to the steps. I run in the front with my friend Kelly. And when I turn back, sure enough, there was like five people have picked her up on the wheelchair and, and brought her up the steps. And it, it was just like amazing. And she's like, she's got this smile and everybody's laughing. It was just really cool. And the other thing that was really special about that event is um, my daughter, again, had a, she, you know, had asked her to run with me. She couldn't because she, she had um, a soccer tournament. Well, she had the path and she had the information and the mom that was driving her that had taken the girls to the tournament asked her, said, you know, we're very close to where your mom is running. Let's find her. Oh. And so I'm, I'm running, I'm actually running. It was like one of my last legs. And uh, I hear this van that is honking at me. And I'm like, oh, God, pain, you know. And all of a sudden I look at it and I'm like, wait, that's the moose van. It's like our friend's name. And I'm like, oh my God. And they, you know, pull in front of me and there is my daughter. And I, like, we both started running towards each other, crying. I mean, to this day, I still choke up other, you know, for the moment. And, you know, again, it was that whole concept of I'm setting uh, an example Mm -hmm. for my kid of the people I want them to be. You can do things for yourself and yet still use those same platforms to help others. And overcome challenges. So yeah, that was a you know probably one of my other favorite moments of running. Well, that's fantastic. And and you hear the horn honking, and naturally we're like, oh, who's honking a horn? Why are they honking? And then it turns out it's the most amazing moment for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Unexpected surprise. Oh, this is so wonderful. I, I am so glad we, we got to speak. I actually am speaking with a few other members of Run for All Women. So we're going to have a, a bunch uh, coming up, uh, different episodes. I, I think it's just fantastic, the community and what you're doing, uh, you know, and being able to find your voice and use your voice through running and for the good causes that you're contributing such a positive example to people in this world. So, you know, thank you so much. And it's fantastic. You know, is there anything that you want to pass along to, you know, our, our listeners, you know, any uh, words of wisdom or if there, you know, any parting words? Yeah, I would say just do it. Uh, I mean, I don't want to endorse anyone in particular, but just get out there, take that first step. And, and see where it takes you. Um, it, it, the journey, the running journey is amazing. 
Um, it has been transformational for me, and I know for anybody that I've ever spoken to, it's been transformational. So just just give it a shot. Get out there and uh, go for a run. That is fantastic. Couldn't said that better myself. Thank you so much for for taking your time out and telling us the stories. It's been wonderful speaking with you. And I look forward to hopefully one day if I'm out in San Diego, I'm going to find find the group. I'm going to come out for a run with you. Or if you're in New York, I've run with uh, the Run for Women uh, with uh, Livia uh, before. So hopefully, you know, at some point we'll uh, be up out there stride for stride. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful day. And we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace.